0: This morning, uh, we're going to talk, our text is going to be from Jonah, but maybe we're going to talk about it just a little bit different maybe than uh, we've heard this lesson or, or, or talked about this story. We've all heard the story of Jonah and uh, him being in the belly of the big fish. We've heard how God told Jonah uh, to go to the evil city of Nineveh to warn them to repent of their wickedness or they would perish. But Jonah didn't want to go, Uh, so he got on a boat, and he went entirely the other direction because uh, he believed he could run from God. He he was trying to go just as far as he could go, but God had other ideas for Jonah, and he ended up in the belly of this great fish. Now, it's amazing what spending um, three days and nights in the belly of a fish can do to your mindset, don't it? Uh, it kind of changed some things. Well, it changed his actions, and we're going to get in and talk about that just a little bit. Uh, but Jonah ended up praying and repenting, and ultimately he went to Nineveh, uh, just like God asked. He, he preached to that city, saying, yet 40 days and Nineveh uh, shall be overthrown. They listened to him. They repented in sackcloth and ashes, and basically that's the end of the story. Well... Not exactly, is it? That's not exactly the end of the story uh, for Jonah. And what I want to do, I want to pick up from Jonah chapter four, and I want us to read from that and talk about that a little bit and see how this may affect us or apply to us in our lives. Um, starting here in uh, verse one, said it. But what happened? Talking about uh, Nineveh repenting, God, God forgiving them, God relenting from doing to them what He said He was going to do. But he did exactly what he said he was going to do. If they repented that he, was going to, he, he, he wasn't going to overthrow them, and that's what he did. But here's uh, uh, Jonah's reaction. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord, and he said, O Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to uh, Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And The Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant, but as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a venomous east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, Is it right for me to be angry even to death? But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh? That great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and much livestock. So, the end of the book of Jonah is not a, uh, is not a pretty picture per se. Uh, it ends uh, during while all this is going on with Jonah. Jonah's still sitting around in bitterness and in hatred, wishing he had never gone to Nineveh and wishing. That they'd all died. That's basically what Jonah is wanting. He doesn't want them to be forgiven. He doesn't want God to. Uh, he, he actually wants God to come in and just annihilate them. That's, that's what Jonah wants. That's how Jonah is feeling. And he doesn't like the fact that God is going to forgive him. In fact, he even had the audacity, I think, to rebuke God. Remember he said this. He said, is it not this what I said when I was in my country? Uh. That's why I made haste to flee to Tarsus, for I knew you were a gracious God, according to verse 2, and, uh, and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Believe it or not, Jonah was telling, uh, I think he was telling God off here. I think he he's angry, he's bitter, he's upset, because he knows that God's going to forgive them if they repent, and he don't want that to happen. He, he doesn't want uh, uh, Nineveh to be forgiven. He doesn't want them... Uh, uh, he wants them to be destroyed. Now think about that. Think about how uh, Jonah is feeling here. Um, why was he so bitter? You know, i thought about this. You know, when we, we think about Jonah, it seems like all we think about what we hear in our, our, our Bible classes when we were younger, what we're teaching our children, of course, the, uh, about Jonah, what do you normally hear about Jonah? What's the main thing that you hear about Jonah. Yeah, swallowed by fish, in the fish uh, three days and three nights. How much do we actually hear about the bitterness, the anger, the resentfulness of Jonah, of why he ran to begin with, why he didn't want to go? God told him, here's what you need to do, and, and he was so bitter about it. He was so revengeful, he was so vengeful against Nineveh he went the opposite direction, thought he could go as far as he could, that he could outrun God and not have to do what God said. I don't know about you, but I've never really thought about that part of Jonah. I've always thought about him running and then him getting in the belly of the fish because of the storm. They over, you know, they throwed him off the boat and then he, he has changed his mind and he goes. But does he really, did he change his mind that easy? You know? Did he, I mean, why is he sitting under a tree so bitter just watching see what they're going to do? You know, he, he doesn't want them to be forgiven. And uh, the Bible doesn't say, or I can't find anyway, somebody else may know. There's some historians, uh, some Bible scholars that have some idea of why Nineveh, uh, Jonah was so bitter against Nineveh. Uh, it said that Nineveh was such a wicked and, and evil city that, they not only would come in and, and, and conquer, or come in and 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 uh, uh, take people. They would dismember them. They would uh, uh, decapitate them. They would just some of the things I was reading. I'm not even comfortable up here saying uh, they were just awful, awful people. I mean, they wouldn't just come in and kill someone. They'd make them suffer so bad, and even make their families watch them suffer so bad. According to some historians that uh, they were just awful. So some believe, and, and I think this could be true because of, of no, uh, Jonah's feelings here, that he probably witnessed this. Uh, he was maybe a part of it in some form or fashion. It may have been some of his family. It may have been some of his friends. He witnessed uh, this atrocities, and he's bitter against them uh, because of what they've done. And if that's the case... Uh, I think I would feel the same way. When um, you say, well, you, you, you surely want to do what God wanted you to do. Yeah, I would want to. But if, if that was placed before me, and maybe I'd seen some things that Nineveh done. There, there's some reason that Jonah hates them so bad. It has to be something. So I, I, I believe, for people smarter than me, I think, I think that's probably a, a true assessment of Nineveh, of what they did. I think I would feel the same way, um, and, and we'll get into why, why I say that, and we'll, we'll see whether, whether or not you may also, um, but when you think about uh, here, um, we'll get back to Jonah here in, in just a little bit, but I want us to think about for a moment on bitterness, and, and what and that aspect of what Jonah is, is feeling. You know, we, we've talked about the belly of the fish. We know, and even Jesus makes a comparison to that. Uh, but when it comes to bitterness, how dangerous is bitterness? I mean, think about it. Look in Hebrews 12, uh, beginning at verse uh, 15 here. In Genesis 12, beginning at verse 15, says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up uh, cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicators or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So there's a couple things that the Hebrew a few things that the Hebrew writer uh, is talking about here. Um, God warns us to be careful there are sins that will rob us of uh, God's grace in our lives. It, it, it will rob us of the blessings that God wants uh, us to obtain. Um, and he starts this list out with bitterness. That's why I think it's maybe one of the most deadliest when it comes to sins. Uh, and that, you know, to say that I think is, is a pretty profound statement, but I, there's a reason that I say that, because he starts here, and he talks about sexual immorality, uh, he talks about those kind of sins, then he goes in, uh, verse 17, talks about the, the godly godly uh, godlessness sins of Esau here, of, of, of not repenting, of how he sold his birthright, when he could have had a, had a blessing that God wanted him to have, but he didn't, because he picked some fleshly things. Then he talked about sexual immorality, about fleshly things. But he begins this list now, back up verse 15, notice. He says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Now, we can fall short of the grace of God. How do we do this? What's at the top of the list? Lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now, think about what he's saying here. Why, why, why does he start out like this? Well, bitterness causes trouble, and it says it defiles, right? Think about what bitterness has done over the years. You, you think about what it's done to individual lives. You think about what it's done to congregations. I can't think of one congregation. Now, there may be some out there, that some that I know of, or some that I may even been a part of. That has not split, splintered, argued, fussed, caused division that hasn't had the root of bitterness behind it. Somebody got offended or thought they got offended by somebody, that somebody done something, or they thought somebody done something, and they they become bitter about it. Now it's one thing to become angry. We, we can become angry, but you can get over anger, can't you? You can calm down, especially if you get mad. You can calm down. You can think about it. You can think about it rationally. And then you can work things out. But when you let anger turn into something else, that anger turns into bitterness. Notice how he, he says that. Lest any root of bitterness. Bitterness will take root. And when bitterness takes root, you can't get that out as easy, can you? It, it, it causes more trouble because it brings others in and it defiles. Now, it's, you can consider it, I think, in some ways, if you look at it like this, a, uh, almost like a religious disease. Because what happens is, when somebody gets bitter, they think they're right. They think they're right and has God on their side. And because of that, it takes more root and gets down deeper in their hearts to where it causes more trouble. It can do this in our congregations. It can do this in our individual lives. When bitter takes hold in our individual lives, it rules every part of our lives, doesn't it? We view everything from the perspective of that bitterness. Either what we think somebody's done, what we think somebody's done to us, what we think somebody's done to our loved ones, or, or whatever the case may be, When when bitterness sets in, that's how we view everything. Nothing... Nothing goes beyond that. You know, you talk about looking at things through certain color, color glasses. I think that's what we do with bitterness. And I think that's what happened here to Jonah. Jonah's got, for whatever reason, this bitterness and anger and, and resentfulness. Because that's what happens. When bitterness takes root, it, it actually produces a lot of other things. These resentfulness. There, there's uh, wanting revenge. There's, all of these things take hold. And that's what Jonah is holding on to here. And he's holding on to it even to the effect of, God, I don't want you to save them. I don't want them to repent. I want them to be annihilated. Now how much you think bitterness has took root in his heart? When you can get to the point to where you don't want someone to be saved, you don't want someone to come to God, you don't want some to, someone to repent, you want them to perish? Bitterness is, is took hold, cold, hasn't it? I mean, think about that. I, you know, when we think about Jonah, we think about him running for God. We think about him being in the, in the belly of the great fish. We, we think about these things, but when you really come down to the root of it, why did it happen? Why did he run? You know, what did he think about, you know, when he was in that fish, yeah, he thought, okay, I'm going to do what God said. But his actions, he did it, but there was still bitterness. Remember when he done it, it says he's sitting up here in this, uh, up here on the hill and he's looking out to this city to see what they're going to do. What do you think he's going to do? Boy, I just can't wait for them to repent. Boy, I'm so glad they're going to. He didn't want them to. He, he didn't want them to change. He wanted God to overthrow them. Matter of fact, he even says at one point, and well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but he knows that God is going to forgive them if they repent. He says, "I know you're a gracious God. I know you're a merciful God." That's what bothers Jonah. He knows God's going to do it if they repent, so he don't want to do it. So he figures if he don't go do what God says for him to do, God can't do what God said he was going to do. That makes sense. That I think that's Jonah's reasoning here. He thinks the only thing standing between them and their salvation is me. And if I'm the only one standing in between it, that's it's not going to happen. I'm not going to be a part of their salvation. I'm not going to be a part of them being saved. So I'm going to run. I'm going to go somewhere else. That, that's how bitterness can take hold. That's what bitterness uh, does to us. Um, let's look at some things why I believe bitterness is so... Um, it's so destructive. When, when you think about uh, bitterness, I think it's, again, when it comes into congregations and churches, I think it becomes so destructive because individuals believe, and, and I've talked to people this way, and I've even been a part of this in some instances. On both sides of the disagreement, both individuals think they're right and God is on their side. But, but they've become bit so bitter about it that uh, when that takes hold, they can't see that even if they were right to begin with, that, that this person did do something wrong, we forget what we should do in response to that. You know, that one, I, I may not be able to change that person, so I, I've got to learn to to live beyond it, but two, to realize that there's still an opportunity for them to change, that God can help them. But I also have to realize I could be in the wrong. I may be in the right how that started, but now I'm in the wrong also of how I've reacted to it. I think that's where the problem comes most of the time is, yeah, I may be right in the situation, but I'm wrong in my attitude toward it. Jonah was right that they were evil, wouldn't he? Nineveh was an evil place. Nineveh was a, 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 a city of, of evil individuals, but then he was wrong in his response to what his place in their salvation is. And, and that's hard. So when you get in a congregational setting maybe of, of Christians, that, that's where this takes hold. Or you get in an individual setting where an individual becomes bitter out in the world or in their family or wherever it may be. Then that starts taking hold. And what happens is, once again, you placed yourself in a situation. I mean, think about it. What if you, do you think there's ever an instance to where someone's salvation at this point depends on you talking to them or not? Could there ever be a situation like that? I I think so. There there may be a time to where you're the person that can reach that individual. But because of your bitterness, you don't want to. I've been in that situation. I've been in a situation to where I thought, if I go talk to this individual, I know what's going to happen. They're going to change. They're going to want me to pray for them. And God's going to forgive them. And I didn't want that to happen. Well, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? That's pretty... Hard to get to a point like that. But you, you get so bitter because you start thinking about what that person did. You start thinking about who that person was. And you that takes root in you so much, you don't know how to function any other way. You know, you don't know how to, you don't know what life's going to be like if that person changes. That's going to change your life too. So what are you going to do with all this stuff that you think about all the time? You know, I, I even read when I was studying some things about this where there was in, in, uh, a Polynesian group that they, they fought and they, they were very destructive and very vengeful. And what they did was at night in their huts, they would hang something in the roof of their huts over their, over their bed of the individual or something of the individual that they were mad at that reminded them of them or something of them, and all they did was lay there at night before they went to sleep and think about how that person wronged them. What do you think would happen if you did that night after night after night after night? Yeah, you couldn't sleep. You'd be so mad you'd do anything to that person, wouldn't you? But that's that's what they did. That's how they become so violent. This group became so violent, and, and people feared them so much because they had so much vengeance toward them. Um, Think, think about Jonah here. Think about what possibly could have happened that got him to the point, one, that he hated these individuals so bad he didn't one, didn't want to go talk to them. He didn't want to be around them. He didn't want to give them an opportunity of salvation. But two, knowing that God said, you've got to go, and so bitter that you even say, I'm not going to do that. that that's, pretty, that's, that's pretty tough, isn't it? You know, it's, that's what bitterness can do. Bitterness can, can take a hold of us so bad that it would cause us to do things such as that. Look in James chapter 4. Uh, he warns us against this. He says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy Who are you to judge another? So he says here, who are we to judge our neighbor? Judge someone else, whether we think they're they're able to receive salvation or not. This person's good enough, or this person's good enough, or this person's not good enough. This person deserves it, or this person doesn't deserve it. Let me ask you this, who has deserved salvation? Has any of us deserved salvation? Did we do anything to deserve Christ coming and dying for us? We we didn't do anything to deserve that. So, But yet we who didn't do anything to deserve that will look at someone else and say, you don't deserve it. Now I do. Now, Now Jonah hasn't one time yet thought about the second chance that God gave him. God showed mercy on him, didn't he? he ran run away from God. God could have said, okay, then you don't deserve it. Here's what I'm going to do to you. God gave no, uh, Jonah here a second chance. Why wouldn't he give Nineveh a second chance? Why wouldn't he give Nineveh an opportunity to change? He gave Jonah an opportunity to change, but Jonah didn't think about that. And I think we don't either. Again, when bitterness takes hold, we, we just think of, of that bitterness. Bitterness is so terrible and deadly One, it causes trouble and defiles others, as the Bible tells us. It causes the bitter person to to, kind of nudge off God off his throne and to set in judgment ourselves. What Jonah was, in essence, saying to God, Okay, God, I know that you would be merciful that you would be gracious to them if they repent. I know you're gonna do that, but here's what I'm gonna do. I don't think that's the right decision. I'm gonna nudge you off the throne. I'm gonna make a decision myself, and my decision is death. My decision is total annihilation. My decision is they don't deserve to, an opportunity to repent. They deserve to be destroyed. So that's him taking, uh, putting himself in God's place, isn't it? Well, isn't that what we do when, when we get bitter? We put ourselves in God's place and we start determining what we think is right, what we think is wrong, what we think a person deserves, what we think a person doesn't deserve, and we start thinking in that fleshly terms, that carnal terms. You did this to me, I think this needs to happen to you. But what would a person have to do? How do we get to a point that's so bitter that we think a person doesn't deserve salvation? I mean, what... what how do you get to that point? I think that's what the Hebrew writer is talking about. I think that's why he started off when he talks about how bitterness takes root because it starts clouding their thinking. Everything we think about is, is based upon that. Jonah here—that's always—I I can just imagine he's probably picturing in his mind what these individuals have done either at one time to him, someone he loves, what he's witnesses. Something had to happen. And that's what he's picturing. That's what he's holding on. He couldn't possibly replace that picture with a picture of someone uh, repenting and coming to God. They don't deserve that. I can't get this out of my mind, and I don't want to think about this. Because if you get this out of your mind, you have to start thinking about that, don't you? And he don't know how to do it. He, he's thought about this so long, evidently, that he's willing to run from God that he don't know how to think about something else. See, that's where God comes in. That's where God tells us and shows us, okay, it's not your will anymore. It's mine. Your will is living by the flesh. Your will is living carnally. Your will is you see somebody do this to you, you think they need it done back to them. You, you are living in such a way to where you know, it's that eye for an eye to wear a pound of flesh for a pound of flesh. It's, okay, I'll walk, this, I'll walk this mile, but I won't go one inch any farther because I know what you're doing there, people. I'm not going any farther than this. We can't possibly think to say, okay, you want me to go a mile? I'll go two. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to think differently. You, 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 you're going to hit me on this cheek? I'll turn the other cheek. You want to take this? I'll give this to you, too. Because see, how does that person, how, does, how do you think that person is going to view us? Okay, just take it as Jesus was trying to teach uh, what our attitude should be against each other. If, uh, how do you think, you think there would be any difference in a Roman soldier's mind if he, if he throws his pack over to someone and says, carry this. And they're carrying it, they're grumbling, they're complaining, they're watching those markers until they get right to the mile. They drop that thing down and say, I'm not taking another step. They would expect that, wouldn't they? They wouldn't expect anything any different. You know, you're, you're, you're suppressed. We're, we're ruling over you. We're controlling you. We're, we're doing all this to you. I wouldn't expect you to do anything else, but because uh, I want to be a little mean, I'm going to make you carry my pack just to see how you act and just watch you grumble and complain. That brings my, bring me pleasure to do that. But how do you think they would act if they do that and they get to that next mile marker and you, they see them still walking? They're not complaining, they're not grumbling, they're still walking. And they're walking that extra mile. You think it caused them to think a little differently? To look at that person, Well, you don't act like everybody else. You act differently than, than they do. Because Jesus said it's not our will anymore, it's His will. It, it, it's, they, they see Him, don't, they don't see us Yeah, I I may have my own feelings that I'm trying to work through. I'm trying to get through. Yeah, I may not like the fact that I'm being suppressed. I may not like the fact, but here's how I'm going to act. Here's the things that I'm going to do. Because it's the right thing to do. It's not about that Roman soldier giving you the pack. It's not about me walking the mile. It's about how I live my life for God. It's not about these earthly things. See, we've got to be different than that. So Jonah here, all he's thinking about is, boy, Nineveh's awful. Nineveh's awful. Nineveh's awful. Boy, what they've done, what they've done. And all of a sudden God says, you go to Nineveh and you tell them this. What? <laughs> no. Maybe you didn't understand. Maybe, maybe, God, you were busy and you didn't see what they've done. You didn't, you, you didn't know. And God even tells them, God knows who they are. God knows what Nineveh is about. He was explaining that to Jonah. Jonah's not Jonah's not telling God something he didn't already know. Because, matter of fact, Jonah even said, God, I know you're a gracious God. The reason I ran is because I knew you were going to forgive him. So I was trying to stop that from happening. See, Jonah was thinking fleshly. He wasn't thinking. And I tell you, I would have been right on that boat with him. I, I would have done the exact same thing in the exact same circumstance. And I I tell you, all of us need to think about that. Think about, put put that in our own lives and think about if God said, go to this person, go go to these people and and give them this message so I can bring salvation to them. Is there ever a time that you think that you would say, nope, not going to do it. I do it for this one. I'm not doing it for this one. I think that's something we all have to take an honest look at. You know, because if that's true, bitterness has taken root. It's gone from anger, it's gone from being upset, to that's what we thought about, that's what's took hold of us, that's what we've become comfortable with, and I'm not doing anything different. But think about God sending his son to a world that's going to crucify him. Do you think Jesus said, nope, not gonna <laughs> I'm not going to do it? I'm not going to do that. I know what they've done. He even said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do when they were driving the nails in him. So when you think about uh, the example that Jesus left, how he taught us to live, there's a reason for that. I think there's a reason that... Uh, god is telling us this story there's more to it than just jonah being in a fish that that's just the the mechanics of what's going on that's the mechanics of running from god but the true message i believe of jonah is don't be like jonah but if you are you better be glad and be hopeful that god gives you a chance to change gives you an opportunity to change because there's individuals that need to hear that message. And sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's you that needs to hear a message from somebody. Whether it's God or whether it's somebody that God is sending to, to save you. And you better hope they don't hold on to that bitterness. It's, it's a, a real, to me, a real interesting story when it comes to uh, the things in which uh, Jonah is doing here. Someone described bitterness this way. Someone who is bitter is angry and unhappy because they cannot forget nor forgive bad things that have happened in the past. Someone else wrote, bitterness starts when we cling to anger and resentment. And I think these are true statements. Um, I think that's what bitter people do. Uh, I think that's what uh, how bitter, bitter people uh, view things in life. I think it comes back to uh, getting over something. I think it comes back to forgiving something, forgetting something. You know, uh, we always say when it comes to forgiveness, yeah, but I can't do like God does. I can't forget like God does. Well, is that a true statement? I've made that statement before. Yeah, I can forgive, but I don't have the ability to forget. Well, does God have the ability to forget? I mean, think about that. Does God just say, well, you know what? I can't remember that anymore. I can't even recall that. <laughs> I, I don't think that's how God forgets. I think God forgets to the fact of, I'm not going to hold that against you anymore or bring it up as if it happened. That's how he forgets. That's how he, now, you may say, well, God has the ability to do anything he wants to. Yeah, I, I, I agree. God has ability. He's God. He can do what he wants to. But, he forgets it, and I think the point is we, we forgive, but we keep bringing it up, keep bringing it up, keep bringing it up. God said, I'm not going to do that anymore. That once, once you're forgiven, you're forgiven of that, you know. Uh, I've, I've, I've had some uh, marriage counseling with individuals before, and, and I always, one of the things that I, I was saying is one of them, they, this person had, had cheated on this individual, and they were trying to reconcile. And one of the statements I made, I said, okay, here's what God says that you, you can do. But here's what God says that you need to do if you choose to do this. You can't bring this up anymore. Are you, are you able and willing to forget that? And I think that would be hard. You know, that was hard for that individual. But that, that's what it comes down to. That's how God says about forgetting. So when it comes to bitterness, Ephesians 4.31 says this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Well, why shouldn't we allow ourselves to be bitter about what others have done to us? I mean, why, why shouldn't we do it? Why, we, we have a right to, we think. I, I've got a right to be bitter about this. Look at what they've done. Some Well, I think it's like I heard someone describe to me one time, and I couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine what they were going through, but they had lost a child. And they, they had said they felt guilty one time when they were laughing because they felt like they forgot that individual that passed on. They said by staying sad, it kept that memory is how they, they pictured it. And anytime they moved on from that, they felt like they were moving on from that individual. And I think the same thing is what he's talking about there. That pain keeps us reminded of that, and we want to be reminded of that because we want to feel that pain. We want to be angry, so we don't want to release that. And and I think that's what um, the Bible is teaching us because we get. I think we get comfortable with that. That becomes a way of life to us, and we don't know how to live any other way. That's why when the Bible says abstain from evil, abhor what is evil and cling to good because you can't just get rid of the bad or you're going to go back to it. It can't just be empty. You've got to fill it up with something. It's either the evil or it's the joy and it's the good. We have to choose which one we want. But quite honestly, we we can become comfortable with either one. But one's going to make our life miserable. One's going to make our life happy. And we may be comfortable with the miserable. Because we we like to live in that bitterness. Romans 12 and 19 says. Beloved do not avenge yourselves. But rather give place to wrath. For it is written vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. We've been learning this in Psalms. David had in our mind a right to be vengeful to a lot of people. But he always said. You know Lord you're going to take care of this. God you're going to take care of this for me. It's not that God's going to let people slide on what they've done. There's just a process in which he does. He either forgives them, or if they don't, then he will take care of it. But God is the judge of that, not us. Because we judge based on our feelings about it, based on what we think about it. God is truly justice. See, here's the thing. Jonah wanted justice, but he wanted his justice. He didn't want God's justice. Because God's justice is true justice. Our justice is based on what we think, feel, and believe at the moment. So... Jonah, I think, wanted justice, but I think it was his kind of justice. Proverbs 24, 17 and 18 warns us this. Do not rejoice when your enemies fall. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Lest the Lord see it, and it displeased him, and he turns away his wrath from them. When it comes to vengeance, we need to basically keep our hands to ourselves and let God do what he does best. God knows more about it than we do. But there's one more reason I think we should avoid bitterness, and I'll go over this real quick, and that's the reason that we represent Jesus. People are seeing Jesus in us, and that should affect the way we, in which we act. matter of fact, in Matthew 12 and 40, remember what Jesus said, For Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jonah's life was a prophecy, Of what would happen with Jesus Jesus would die on the cross spend three days and and three nights in the grave but the problem with Jonah was he stopped short of being the example that he could have been I mean think about that I think there are, are blessings that we miss out on sometimes because we don't take it the way that God wants us to do it now we may get there but and we're going to talk about this in our worship service when it comes to Abraham. You know, God may set us on the path here, and he's wanting to bless us. We may go to this point over here and then get back to this point, but what do you think we missed out in, in between time? So Jonah here, I think, uh, once again, is a good example of of what bitterness can do and how people think sometimes. And I, I hope we can give it some consideration, because I think there's much more to the story than just Jonah in the belly of the fish.